Would you like a little more foreplay in your life? I mean specifically brain foreplay? Well, then tune in to the most dynamic host, Dr. Rick Perea, performance psychologist to professional athletes and the stars. No failure is final and no topic is off limits. It's time to get real and get your checkup from the neck up. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Brain Foreplay, or as my sister called it, Brain for Play. So there's something going around in society right now that's really interesting to me, and it is that so many people are talking about mental health and mental performance and mental enhancement. And so... I decided to bring in the best of the best today. You know who that is, Kelly? It's Misty Rose Gold. And I have her best-selling book, Your Time Will Come. Welcome, Misty. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure because, you know, when I met you, I heard about you. And, I, you know, your, your, your reputation precedes you. And I... When I was looking at the book, I was looking at the picture, and, and there, for some reason I thought I knew you some, from somewhere. So it turns out we went to school, high school, um, pretty much in the same neighborhood. But as an executive international performance coach, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers a little bit about what you do before we get delve into the depths of what you do? But tell us a little bit about who you are and your unique approach to helping people reach their potential in life as, as an international performance coach. Of course. So I love to help people get their mind right and manage their emotions. Like, if we don't have that down, nothing's going to work for us. And it's just that simple. Yeah. I don't overcomplicate anything. <laughs> yeah, I notice in your book, it's it's very pragmatic, very straightforward, and so user-friendly. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I can tend to get wrapped up in the narrative. I right. talk, my, my communication style looks like this. And sometimes <laughs> I don't get to the message until all the way down here. So it's very linear, very practical. But But tell us about... Who's Misty Rose? I mean, tell us who you are. Well, the long version or the short version? <laughs> the, the beautiful version. How about that? I am someone who has overcome much adversity, and I came from absolutely nothing and created something out of my life. So I set myself free a long time ago, mm. and I love to set others free. Mm. Come from nothing. Talk about that. Poverty. My mom depended on the government to take care of us. So we stood in line waiting for government cheese and milk and all that embarrassing stuff. And there were many days where there wasn't food in the house. So, yeah, I came from nothing. <laughs> and you were talking to me a few days ago about how coming from the ashes, coming from dirt, coming from nothing, if you will, has really enhanced you 
and made you into something that is beyond now. Mm-hmm. And I showed you a quote here in our office here at Think One. Think One here in Denver, Colorado is, is my uh, parent company. And it talked about beautiful people do not just happen. Right. They know struggle. They come from the depths of, of poverty, of nothingness, and rise. So tell us a little bit about that in terms of how you feel that helped you rise to where you are today. Because I can tell you this, talking to you blew my mind. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a guy who's been around a lot of performers. For those of you who've never watched Brain Foreplay. By the way, today is a mental Monday and we're giving you your checkup from the neck up. So I've been around a lot of performance. I've been fortunate to be part of Super Bowl championships, national championships. Mm-hmm working with Google, Apple, some of the top organizations in the world. So I'm used to performance. But when I was talking to you the other day, you were putting things in terms that were simple yet profound. Mm. And, you know, I think a lot of it is born in that what you talk about coming from nothing. And I, I recently went to the country Costa Rica, and I saw a lot of nothing. But I saw a lot of smiles. Uh-huh. I saw a lot of joy. And I remember thinking, what's going on here? I'm seeing these kids playing in the mud who have, quote, unquote, nothing but everything because they have joy. They have smiles. And so when I was talking to you, I got that same vibe that you have taken simpleness and in, in, in your, your background, as you mentioned, of poverty, of coming from nothing, and turn that into a methodology with your book and your coaching that reaches people in a simple yet profound way. And, and your soul, your heart is just primed. And I think it's a testament to what we need to understand in today's life that you don't have to come from beauty and everything to create beauty and everything. In fact, Beautiful people oftentimes and most of the time come from nothing. Oh, I agree, 100%. So tell us, tell us a little bit more about that because you have a beautiful story. Well, it's in the struggles and the pain, right? Learning how to overcome that, learning how to, to change my, <coughs> excuse me, to change my perspective on life and how I saw things. Instead of being the victim, I saw that there's good in everything. You know, I can overcome anything that comes my way. I was born into such a tough life that it's easy to fall prey to being a victim. Mm. But I refused because I knew it wasn't my destiny. Yeah. Right? At eight years old, I knew that my destiny was to change the world, to make a positive impact. And that stayed with me and it drove me. It pushed me forward. It pushed me. It, it forced me to find a better way. Yeah. You know, um, I've been listening to this radio station and they've been playing Tupac the past week because it was the anniversary of his passing. And Tupac to me was a genius because his the lyrics in his songs and one that resonates with me is there's beauty in the struggle. And you've taken and you've what you're talking about is you have you teach your your clients to find the beauty Within struggle. Yes. And there is beauty in every struggle, right? Yes. I mean, we just have to find it. Even the most traumatic events. Yeah. 
absolutely. And, you know, I, I have my book here, um, Decision Point, The Moment Leaders Are Born. And I talk in this book about how when my brother was murdered, I was seven years old and he was 18. And at the time, I didn't even understand what happened. Right. But at 13, 14, I met somebody that had also been through trauma. And she lost her dad and her brother in a plane crash. And we became each other's therapists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We'd sit in the park and talk for hours, you know. Um, but, that, but that tragedy, that trauma in my life made me reach for more. And I'm 100% convinced it's, it's what I do. It's why I do what I do today. Right. Because some days I, I'm just a giver, giver, giver. And, you know, in my accountant, my lawyer, they're telling me, don't, don't give away so much. And I'm like, I have to. Right. I have to give. It's in my DNA. It's in my personality to give. And, you know, Misty, I, I, I haven't known you for a long time, but the more, I, the more I'm spending time around you. And by the way, everyone, Misty Rose is going to be a coach here at Think One so in Denver, Colorado. So you have access to this top-level coaching here as well. But when, when we're talking about how you could fit into our organization mm – -hmm. And believe me, she's going to make us better. Um, your message is so profound because it's similar to mine. I had trauma. My trauma was my brother's murder. But you, the circumstances you've talked about mm -hmm. and how to overcome them just resonated with me because you, you have such a, a love and a kindness about you. And you actually sat in and on a couple of my coaching sessions a few days ago. And after we were done, you said, can I, can I uh, give you some feedback on what I saw? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm used to teaching protocols and practices and getting quarterbacks to win Super Bowls and CEOs to, to make millions and billions of dollars for their organizations. But you talked about love. Yeah. And you talked about one of my clients was, was crying out for love. Mm -hmm. And it blew me away because I'm like, here, I think I'm a pretty good coach in my own right, right? But you brought an alternative explanation. You brought a different spoke in the wheel. And you, were like, you said, that client was crying out for love. Yes. And I thought to myself, wow, that's profound. Because in essence, that's why, part of the reason why he's not performing to his yes. potential. Correct. Talk about that. It's the love deficit, right? He has nothing to fuel him. He's running on empty. Mm. There's mm. something missing in his soul. He needs, mm. I mean, it just feels like to me that he needs his father to wrap his arms around him, mm. right? Where's the source of that love coming from? He has no source. And he can't give from empty. So we need to find a way to fill him up. Wow. Wait a minute. I, people, I'm just like, I'm, 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 I'm floored. You can't run. Say that again. You can't run on empty. You can't run on empty. You know, by the way, my engineer here today, Kelly, I just got to give you a shout out because you're, you're great. I, I, I got to tell you, in the house here is Chris Brewer, who's a former teammate of mine, former Denver Broncos, Chicago Bear. Great. Chris, one of our teammates the other day, I was, I was in Costa Rica. He gave me a call. And all three of us played together in high school. And all three of us, um, Chris played a couple years in the NFL. So did Vaughn. And I had a cup of tea in the NFL as well. 
Some people say cup of coffee. I had a cup of tea. <laughs> but um, Vaughn has a saying that says, some people are full of empty. Mm. They're full of empty. Yes. And I just got goosebumps saying that. But love you, Vaughn, if you're out there, brother. Um, but you felt that. So the thing that's profound for me, Misty, is you felt that. Yes. You saw it with nonverbals, but you felt it. And people, that's what I'm telling you about this woman and her coaching ability. The intuitiveness about you mm -hmm. is just off the chart. Off the chart. And so when you said to me, he, he's, he's crying out for love, it, it helped me to see my client from a different lens sure. and a different angle. And I was just like, hallelujah, like I, she's going to make us so much better. Because you have a, a different approach right. that I think is just, it's the future. It's the future because, you know, I, I mean, I have a PhD. And by the way, you guys know what PhD stands for, Chris? Piled high and deeper. Okay, that, <laughs> That's what it really means. <laughs> but, but, you know, I can teach protocols, but you teach love. Right. And you teach love from a place that you said was deficit growing up. Yes. So tell me how that flips. I didn't know love. I didn't experience love until probably around eight years old. My grandmother on my dad's side was the first person and the only person in my family to show me love. But I didn't get to spend much time with her. Mm. Mm. Everyone else showed me different forms of hate. Mm. So I knew what I was missing because I had a, a spiritual connection to the divine and what the world around me presented was nothing like it. So I needed to figure out how do I, how do I get more of that? You know, how do I find that within other people? But I had to find it within myself. I didn't know how to un like love people unconditionally. I didn't know what love was, but I had to find it. And once I got a taste of it, I'm like, my God, I want to become love. Mm. I want to ooze love. I want to walk into a room and everyone feels it. And you can. You can. You, literally, when you walk in the room, you can feel your presence, your love. Everyone, I'm talking to Misty Rose Gold, the author of Your Time Will Come. And we're talking about her coaching methodologies in what she does in her practice, and she's joining us here at Think One, and she's going to become one of our coaches here, and clearly going to make us better. You know, it's interesting. After I was the Broncos, Denver Broncos um, psychologist in the Super Bowl season of mm -hmm. 15, and we won it in February 16, I went down to Miami to work for the Miami Dolphins. And interestingly enough, the head coach, Adam Gates, and I um, had formed a close relationship because he was a coach here in Denver. And my philosophy has always been to treat pro athletes like people first. Right. And a matter of fact, under this shirt, I have a shirt that says people first, the dolphin way. Mm -hmm. And I actually had a coach approach me and says, man, we can't, we can't wear that shirt. And I said, why? And he says, because we'll get soft. What? Yeah. No, he did. He says, we'll be soft. And I said, brother. When you treat players, and Chris, you can speak to this, brother. When you treat players as people first, right. 
and you ask them about their family and their and their and their love and their life, they'll run through a wall for you. Am I right? And but so many football coaches have been coached this level of machismo. Mm-hmm. No, we got to be mm-hmm. tough, man. We got to run through. No emotion. No emotion. And emotion is what fuels performance. Exactly. <laughs> in, every, in anything. Emotion is what fuels performance. Yes. I can tell you that Super Bowl team, we didn't have the best team in the NFL, personnel-wise. We had a great defense. We had an average offense. But we had this. Right. We had this. We had a togetherness. DeMarcus Ware, Von Miller, Aqib Tlaib, Chris Harris. All these guys were brothers. And so we've got to understand and we've got to get better in the United States about how love fuels brotherhood, sisterhood, camaraderie, love, performance. Because we spend too much time on looking at performance from practices and protocols and we need to get to the basic of knowing that I can depend on my partner, on my teammate with love. and care because when I play with love and passion I play better definitely and what you're talking about is a deeper level of of teammate like a deeper level of team cohesiveness one unit yes and if we're all full we have so much more to give each other right but if we're empty then uh, we're missing the mark you know when you say that if we're all full we give if we're empty. I, I, I think maybe, I, I, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I don't think I am. I think there are so many of us walking around today that are full of empty. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really do. That's so true. I mean, I, you know, you go to the airport and people are bumping into each other and getting mad at each other. And, right. you know, people mm-hmm. are angry in the planes. And, you know, again, when I just went to Costa Rica, I find it took me three days to let everything drip off me and come off me to feel like a yes. to feel like a friggin organism right a human so you know people are kind of full these days but it's not full of the right stuff mm. it's full of anger mm. it's full of fear it's full of hate bitterness resentment envy they're full but they're not full of the right thing and all that stuff pulls them down, weighs them down, throws them into toxic cycles, brings out the worst in them and others around them. So we need to switch what we're full of. Right? Mm. You're talking about that dripping off of you. Yeah. Maybe you shed some of that. Maybe you were able to let go of some unforgiveness that you didn't even know you had. And you're not just talking about anger. You, you, th- you said envy. Mm-hmm. You know, how many of us have envy? We're not happy for our fellow partner, our, our competitor down the street. We're not right. happy for them. They get a big contract with an organization, and, and, all, and many of us are like, well, why not me? We should be celebrating We should that. be celebrating that. Yeah. You know? And, and it, too often in pro sports, there is envy. I feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've worked in in the NFL for a number of years as a psychologist, and I could walk into buildings and feel the anxiety in the air. Mm -hmm. And then a 
I walked into a few other buildings and I felt love in the air. That's beautiful. <laughs> and it was amazing because the, the buildings that you walk into that have love, they win. Right. And the buildings you walk into that have the anxiety don't. And May I explain that? I would love for you to, but let me just <laughs> say this. And ironically, when you talk to most football coaches in the NFL, college football, even high school, they spend 99% of their time practicing football. Hmm. Football. You know why? Because they'll say, because we play football. Right. They practice plays. They do drills. But how much time do they spend in the classroom talking about collaboration, cooperation, love? Emotional health. Emotional health. health. <laughs> People, I'm telling you, she's making us better by the minute. Go ahead and explain what you're going to say. Love is the most powerful force that we can use. Oh, I'm getting coached right now, people, so excuse me while we, <laughs> we're in session. The most powerful. Stress is not. Anxiety is not. Competition is not. The competitiveness is not the most powerful force. If we can tap into that love within ourselves, we're operating at our full power, our full greatness. But if our hearts are shut down, we're operating at 10%. The teams that win, you say you feel the essence of love. That's why it's the most powerful force that we can ever tap into. 100%. And, you know, it's interesting. We're in June of 2022. And I've had no less than seven or eight players from that. Super Bowl championship team mm -hmm. reach out to me in the past few months who um, who are struggling. Right. But back to the Tupac quote, there's beauty in the struggle. Yes. So in your methodology, in your viewpoint, what do you say to those players that have circled back? Who, by the way, people, I want you to understand this. Put this in your pipe and smoke it. These players are multimillionaires. They have everything. Mm. They have everything, as DeMarcus Ware said in my book, they have everything you can put in a cardboard box. They have beautiful homes, beautiful cars, and yet, oftentimes, they're empty. So I'm feeling into their struggle. I'm using that intuition that you talked about. And it really makes me want to cry because they don't feel worthy. Why do I feel like crying right now? Can you please? I, I'm, I'm, I'm being 100% serious. Why do I feel like crying right now? Because we're picking up on their pain. You have that intuition too. But they don't feel worthy of love. And that's mm. what it comes down to. They think that they've done too much wrong. They don't feel worthy. And that breaks my heart. It's not about worthiness. What makes us deserving is lo of love is honesty, not perfection. Mm -hmm. And society teaches us, religion teaches us that it's perfection that gets us there. Mm. And it's so wrong. Mm. It's honesty, honesty with ourselves, honesty with others. That creates that connection. It creates that openness where we can receive. It mm -hmm. creates 
wow, like, yeah, you know, I do deserve that. It's from that place of honesty. It's when we're lying to ourselves and lying to others that shuts us down. It's not perfection. And, you know, I'm thinking right now as you're speaking, um, in my book, Decision Point, The Moment Leaders Are Born, uh, DeMarcus Ware talks in here about, because um, we do a lot of things here at Think One. We do neurofeedback. We have float tanks. We have biomats. We, we do acupuncture, real mind-body mm -hmm. philosophy. But what he says in my book, he says, it wasn't any of your devices here that set me free. It was our talks, our one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. talks. Right. He says, because, and this is in my book, he said, I didn't, I didn't know who DeMarcus Ware was. Right. And when we just talked about being men and the roles of, 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 that we have, we're husbands, we're, we're partners, we're fathers, and I'm a father of, of three beautiful sons, mm -hmm. and I love that role of being a father. And Chris, Chris Brewer over here to my left, we're, we're going to do a podcast next week on, on fathers. But when DeMarcus and I talked, we shared, we were vulnerable with each other. That's where his cup started to fill up. Mm -hmm. And it makes complete sense the to honesty. what you're talking about. The honesty. Yes. And what a lot of people don't understand out there, they're chasing, they think money, prestige, adulation, all of that external stimuli, external validation, essentially, external validation is going to get them to the promised land, and it's not. No. It's not. No, definitely. It's, it's within, yes. is what you're telling us. Right. But people need to experience that unconditional love so that they can give it to themselves, that unconditional honesty. And that's what I bring to the table. That's, that's what I vow to bring to the world, to every person that I interact with, so that they can experience it. You know, once you experience it, it's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> right. So no matter what people have done, I'll still love you. No matter what you continue to do, I'm still going to love you. That's divine love at its finest. So let me ask you a question. So you say, no matter what you do, I still love you. Yes. So a husband cheating on his wife. Yes. A man who's raped someone. Yes. Wow. Of course. Love should not be used as a weapon, and it shouldn't be taken away just because we've done something wrong. Deep. Whoa. You know... I mean, you're validating me because I've thought these thoughts for so many years. Like I've off, I've off, you know, couples sometimes come into my practice and they say, we're, we can either go here or here. And I said, what's the issue? Infidelity. And I've often thought to myself, that's just, that's just the next step in helping you reach a higher level of intimacy. Right. But, but a lot of people don't see it that way. They're like, oh, okay, that's it. That's a deal breaker. Right. That's conditional love. Yeah, it is. How do you reach this level? Because I know there's some people out there that are going to listen to this and watch this and go, wait a minute. How do you reach that level of unconditional love? And I call it a higher level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. How? It all begins in our minds, right? It, it's all what we choose to think. Is it even possible? 
right? So many people are craving love, but they don't understand that it's possible. So I'm going to say start simple and just believe that, wow, I can begin to experience unconditional love. I can begin to even want it or desire it, allow myself, give myself permission to want it. And is that why your book, Your Time Will Come by Misty Rose Gold, is that why it's so simple? <laughs> yes, it helps you get your mind right, get you primed and ready to receive that love. It's interesting because I love this. I love this. And people here in the office were commenting before we, we went on. They are saying, man, I, I love it. It's so direct, simple, pragmatic. And ironically, I'm, I'm a product of formal education and psychology. Mm -hmm. And I was telling you the other day that for years we've been calling saying there's a mind-body connection. Mm -hmm. Never mind that we know that right. empirically. We have brain, brain stem, spinal cord, central nervous system, autonomic nervous system. We know that scientifically. And we've been telling the American, American Psychological Association there is a mind-body connection, and we've got to address this. We can't just address the mind. It's all connected. Right. And they're like, oh, that's kind of like Boulder, Colorado-ish. <laughs> that's kind of granola-ish, you know? But the minute we, we wanted to call it psychophysiology, oh, we're in now. Because it sounds scientific. Mm -hmm. Psychophysiology. Psychophysiology. <laughs> but it really is as simple as the, whole, the holistic approach right. to mental health. The whole person. The whole person. Because mm -hmm. you can't just treat the neck up. you got to treat the neck down and simultaneously. And that's what we do here at Think One. And that's why I think you're going to help us become so much better because you plug into that holistic aspect. Right. Because when you were watching our client, you said he was screaming out for love. My lens was over here. Right. And I wasn't even seeing that. Right. But it's it, it makes so much sense now that you illuminated that for me. Mm -hmm. So let, let's, let me ask you this, Misty. So can you coach people to get to that core level, and I don't want to put the wrong words in your mouth, but can you coach people to really peel back the layers of conditioning, the, the, the years and years of our brain being conditioned mm -hmm. to have envy, to have jealousy, to have, you know, stay in the mess. Can you, can you coach them to un, undo that? Of course, definitely. It starts with creating a baseline of peace. It makes it very simple, right? So if somebody comes to me and they're stressed out, they're not going to hear me. So I need to get them to that baseline of peace first. And then they're open. And then we figure out what else is causing stress. Maybe there's some fear in there. Maybe there's some sadness that they haven't dealt with, mm. right? And just mm. a simple technique of releasing that from the body creates so much more peace. Like. Most people don't even understand how stressed out they are until they come to see me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I, hey, I remember, <laughs> I remember, 
I, I, I'm part Native American. I remember I went to the Navajo reservation. This is about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And me and my cousins are walking out on the res. And, and I literally told them, I said, I can feel stress dripping off the end of my fingertips. Right. I didn't even know I was stressed out. Right. But you're 100% right. That we, we're not even aware of it because we're that hamster on the wheel. Yes. Going so, I mean, just do it again. Wake up, do it again. Wake up, do it again. And we don't realize that we're literally falling into that trap of repetitiveness, sameness, conditioned, mm-hmm. that we don't stop and really feel things anymore as much as we did like i said it took me three days in costa rica to unwind all of what was going on and i and i was there with my three sons and i at that point i began to feel like a father i was telling chris earlier today i began to feel like a father after three days because prior to that i felt like a flipping director or a coach okay son you go here you go here you do this you go work out after you do that give me a call i wasn't i wasn't present with them Mm -hmm. I wasn't hugging them and kissing them and just being present with them. And I think so many of us in the United States are guilty of that every day, that we get so wrapped up in the doings and the practices of what we do every day as a, as a dentist, as a, as a therapist, as a trash collector, as whatever I do, a teacher, coach, firefighter, that I don't slow down and plug into the essence of human beings connection and connection and love and at the end of the day that's all we need right in my book i chronicle a song called love is the answer Mm -hmm. and it literally says when you're down and out love one another right when you've lost your way love one another Mm -hmm. but yet we don't in general, plug into that enough. How are we going to flip this? How are we going to get more of us? I mean, let's let's take it in organizations. The greatest organi- organizations in the world, the Googles and the Apples, they understand this stuff. Right. They really do. I've been there. I've seen what they're doing. The greatest teams in the world understand this. But there's, a, there's 32 teams. There's four teams doing this stuff. Four. Mm-hmm. And so what essentially it means is they have a culture by default instead of having a culture by design. Because hmm. when you have a culture by design and love is at the core of that, right. you can do anything. Mm-hmm. But you have so many in that industry that don't get it. Right. And so organizations, sports teams, families. How many families are emotionally vacant? Most. Most think, I mean, you know, you go to a family home, they go to vacations every year and the kids are in private schools and everyone's doing the right stuff, you know, and it looks really good from the outside, but there's a lot of emotionally vacant homes Yes. and we're raising emotionally vacant kids who don't know how to accept love. You know, I, I think it's one thing to give love, but what about learning how to receive love? Uh, receiving can be the hardest. I. <laughs> it changes us. When we receive, it changes who we are. A lot of people are afraid of change. You know, we need to normalize 
being connected with one another. We need to normalize being in touch with our hearts, our emotions. Okay, wait, stop. Oh my gosh. Normalize being connected. That is beauty. I'm going to get a shirt. <laughs> Normalize being connected. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's the norm. Yes. Instead of the superficial thing that we've normalized, right? Before this pandemic, everything was just so superficial. Mm. And I see that as one of the most beautiful things that's happened to humanity is that it saved us. It forced us to look inward. It forced us to stay at home and stop running from each other and deal with our stuff. It saved us. I'm going to call you on something. Okay. Then why is domestic violence up 500%? Why is there more crime since the pandemic? It's just revealing the darkness, that's all. It's uncovering it. We can't address it if we don't see it. Mm. That doesn't scare me. Mm. I'm glad it's coming out. Me too. Me too. I really am. We only have about 10 more minutes here. Sure. Five more minutes. In five, I want to talk a little bit more about your book. But... We here at Think One talk about getting your checkup from the neck up. And that means you, you, you look within. You think about shaping your thoughts. Thoughts lead to feelings. Feelings lead to mood. Mood leads to behavior. Mm -hmm. And your behavior is your performance, regardless of what you do in life. And I think it's really important for everybody out there watching and listening that you understand Misty's 100% right. It starts with the way you think. And you have to have some kind of tool or protocol every day to shape your thoughts. And maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's a chant. Maybe it's a script. Maybe it's, it's you, you sing. I don't know what it is. Like this morning I was singing, you see, I am Wonder Mike, and I'd like to say hello. <laughs> to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, the purple, and yellow. But first I got to bang, bang, the bogey to the bogey but singing brings me joy. Yes. I love to sing. You know? So do I. I was going to call Michael McDonald and tell him, brother, I sing that song better than you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Love Michael McDonald. Love Jeffrey Osborne. Mm. Oh, my gosh. There's some people with so much soul in them. But music changes brain chemistry, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And we've got to get better at understanding every morning we, get, we have choices mm -hmm. of how we want to set our day. Mm -hmm. So whether it's you have the love orientation or my practices and protocols, we get to choose every day. We do. Am I right? Most people don't know they have that power. Why don't most people know that simple thing? Like, I get to choose how I think, feel, and behave today. Why? Well, my parents are stressed out, right? So that has to be me. We're Ooh. conditioned to think that way. Ooh. Ooh. Did you hear that, people? My parents are stressed out. And, you know, now that you say that, sometimes we get these young gymnasts that come in here, mm -hmm. eight years old, mm -hmm. and they'll say, Dr. P, I'm stressed out. And I'm thinking right. to myself, they don't even know what stress means. Right. Like, what is stressed out? I didn't even know what the word stress meant until I was in gra uh, graduate school. <laughs> <laughs> stress, what's that? <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so that's their model. Yes. 
So they don't think they have a choice. They think they have to be stressed. And you know, this is just resonating with me, people. I mean, Misty Rose is coaching me live in full <laughs> color because when we get some families that come in here, they bring their athletes. I, I've noticed that it's not necessarily the athlete, it's the parents. Yes. And right now I'm writing a book about, you know, parent, a parent handbook for performers. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, get the heck out of the way, parents. Let them be. Let, sure. them, let them find their way. But sometimes as parents, and, and God bless all you parents out there because, I mean, I'm a parent and it's the most challenging job I've ever had, but it's the most rewarding job I've ever had. But I've never met a parent that wakes up and says, how do I harm my kids today? But invariably, they can harm their kids by modeling this type of behavior. So right. we've got to coach parents, too. Right. And I know you do that as well. Yes, definitely. So the book is Your Time Will Come. Why that title? Most people just don't even dare to dream. They don't dare to reach for something higher, something greater. And I want them to know that their time will come. And I give them the tools so that they can get their mind right. So they're guaranteed that it will come. It may look different than what they want, mm. but they're going to get somewhere great. I want them to have hope, to dream again, to dare to dream. Well, you certainly brightened my life mm. in the short time I've known you. And Likewise. Thank you. Um, and you're going to make the ecosystem, both micro and macro, small and large, here at Think One, that much better. But I'm telling you, people, if you want a coach that can take you to a higher level, whether you're an astronaut, a surgeon, uh, a sanitation worker, a mom or dad, exactly. a partner, because the word performance is a little bit misleading. We think of you know, surgeons perform, NFL quarterbacks perform, but people perform every day in their roles. Yes. And if you want someone to take you to an, a level that's going to sustain over time, this is it. This is the this is the future, mm -hmm. and it's not it's not unfortunately um, illuminated as much, but it's coming. It's coming down the pike because if I do nothing in my remaining years as a performance psychologist. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illuminate this work that you're doing because I've, I've seen in the short time the effect it's had on me. Right. I mean, the effect it's had on everyone in this room. I mean, there's Chris Brewer over here who's been around performers his whole life. He's you know, great, great. I mean, I just love Chris. There's so many things about you, Chris. I, I, I can't say it in one sentence. And Kelly, you've, you've come from the ashes in 29 years sobriety. Wow. 29 years sobriety. Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, you just, you raise the bar mm. and you raise the bar in a, in a way that's been there all along, but so many of us are busy running the race. We don't even see where we're running. Right. We don't even see where we're going. I'm going to end with this little tidbit to show you how powerful the mind is. And I want your little comment and then we're out. Sure. 1954, Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile. He went 359, 99, 99, 99. 
right? First person to ever go under four minutes in a mile. Love it. In the next six months, 10, 15 people broke it. Mm -hmm. The next year, 20 people broke it. So he, he literally opened the floodgates. Why? What happened there? Well, he thought it was possible. There's nothing impossible in his mind, right? But these other people thought it was impossible until someone showed them the way. <laughs> Hallelujah, baby. Oh, my gosh. Showed them the way. Yes. They needed permission. Yes. They needed permission to break the four-minute mile. Mm -hmm. People, I got goosebumps. You can't see them, but trust me, I got them. <laughs> but I'm telling you, Misty Rose Gold, get her book. Better yet, you can have her coach you yeah. all over the world internationally. Um, Brain Foreplay is the podcast. Get your checkup from the neck up, Mental Mondays. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's an I, honor. I mean, uh, this is just this is fresh, dope. Uh, what, uh, what are the other words these days, kids? <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, no cap, whatever it is. <laughs> you know, my gosh. Um, People out there, love one another. Love one another. Trust one another. I mean, it, it really is the way. It is. It is the way. Mm -hmm. Thank you, so Misty. Simple. Thank you, Chris, my brother. Love you. Kelly, thank you. <laughs> Don't forget to join us next week. Same place, same time to get your checkup from the neck up. Fortified by foreplay. That's brain foreplay. And please remember to subscribe to this channel wherever you get your podcasts.